This is the BYO Brand Podcast, the creative incubator and branding launchpad for brazen entrepreneurs. Fearless enough to blow that damn proverbial box up. If that's you, welcome to the virtual space where you can learn how to make your mark. It's like the blueprints to turn your business into a brand and your brand into an icon. So tune in, turn it up, and step up to the virtual soapbox hosted by yours truly, me, Hannah Laham, and let's start a digital riot. Hey, fellow badasses, welcome back to the BYO Brand Podcast. Today's broadcast is the product of millions of conversations I've had on the daily with entrepreneurs and business owners around the globe, many of which are clients and partners in crafting larger-than-life brands. But lately, the whole business-as-usual talks have been anything but ordinary. On this side of the earbud, I can tell you that there's a massive difference between the dialogue on the news outlets and feeds like Twitter and the ones the unstoppable people of the world are having. And one in particular, the kind that resonates, making such an impact on you that you have a perspective shift. This one. Without further ado, the man whose newest endeavor will literally change the way the world works. Say hello to Jimmy Shabbat. Hey, good morning, Hannah. How are you? Pretty good in yourself. How's it going over there? I can't complain, you know, business as usual, trying to stay busy. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate that. Of course. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I want to start by telling the world a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I would uh, I would categorize myself as a lifelong entrepreneur. Um, I don't think I've I'm, – I'm 43 years old and I've worked for myself since I was about 21. So more than half my life has been in the entrepreneur role. I've, I've, I've had, you know, some successes, some failures um, and everything in between. Uh, background is in technology, uh, but I also got into the finance world and the accounts receivable space. Uh, had a lot of experience dealing with uh, different types of workforces, um, and you know anywhere from the millennials now Gen Z and Gen X uh, in the call center space, and uh, with technology uh, dealing with uh, a whole realm of different people there as well. Uh, my passion is uh, on a personal side is family. I do, I, everything I do is is for my family. I have two young children, and uh, so my business is like a third child uh, to me. And, Absolutely, and the, the way I look at that is it just helps me feed my family and, and, and enjoy life. So that, that work life balance is important to me as well. For sure. So why entrepreneurship? Like, why would you leave somebody else's office? to into the neurotic path that is entrepreneurship in the first place? That's a great question. And I, I have to say that part of it has to be probably in my DNA. And, and I mean that in a literal sense. Uh, my father, uh, who has 12 children, wow. uh, out of the 12 children, every single one works for themselves. So I have That's to amazing. I think it, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a statistic. Um, and you know, for me, I'd have to, again, like I said, uh, that part of it is there the, again. And, and once you get a taste of working for yourself, it's really hard to kind of go back and, and put your hands and, or put your life and your livelihood in somebody else's. I mean, it's, it's not for everybody. I know that, but for me personally, um, I like, you know, kind of having control of my own destiny from, from a, um, from a financial as well as a career uh, side of things. And, and I'm just passionate about business in general. So I think all of those combined kind of put me in this role and, um, you know, and, and being an innovator, I think is part of that, you know, seeing different, seeing opportunities or seeing problems that need solutions that I think is part of the uh, role of being an entrepreneur too, is, is being able to solve problems. That is the truth. I definitely vibe with that. My entire family on my dad's side is all entrepreneurial, especially my dad, where, you know, from a young age, I kind of learned all the above from him. And it was never spoken out loud that you become an entrepreneur, but we didn't know anything else. And I think my first job, I worked for somebody else. At 16, I immediately became a manager. And I was like, oh, no screw this. This is not going to work. Working for other people does not work for me. I have too big of dreams. You know, you want to take it to the next level. And I feel like when it's somebody else's baby, their business baby, 
you're kind of limited by what you can do. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. There's definitely a ceiling um, when you're working for somebody else. And I think when you have a lot of confidence and, and, and faith in, in your abilities and and you can see that uh correlating into results immediately. And, and people will see that in you as well when you're working for other people. And I had a very similar experience in, in, in my youth working for a company being promoted fairly quickly in the ranks you know, at a very early age. And, and people looked at me different. And, and I knew, I think, almost immediately that, okay, I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to do this forever. Right. Did you know you were different? That you had bigger dreams than other people? Or was that something that developed over time? You know, I, I think it was an eight. Uh, when I was a very young child, I just pictured myself the, you know, in a suit and with a briefcase, you know, yeah. and traveling internationally. And it was always a vision. CEO was kind of my my dream. And um, and, and I know that when you have to wait for other people to put that label on you, uh, you know, it's not a good feeling that, no. you, you know, you're relying on other people and you have much more control when it's, it's, it's in your hands and, you know, you can put that label on you, on yourself, president, CEO, whatever title that you want to give yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I knew from, from a very early age that, you know, I had very high ambitions. Um, and I think the, the best way to get to that is, you know, working for yourself. And I, and I live in a small city in Buffalo, New York. So, um, the opportunities aren't as great as like if you're living in New York City or LA or, you know, Chicago or some of the bigger cities where opportunities are a little bit more plentiful. Right. No, I, I so feel that. Honestly, one of my biggest drivers besides the, you know, genetic inheritance of being an entrepreneur was definitely I wanted to buy my time in a capitalistic society. You have no other choice but to buy your freedom in your time if you're going to live the life you want. And I wanted the life of quiet and family and gardening. I wanted to live with a hoe in my hand, you know, and chickens and farming and gardening and cooking and eating all day. That's my idea. But yeah. to do that, to buy my time, I had to cross other barriers. And of course, there's the whole challenging part, which just gets you excited. It keeps you on the edge of your seat and can keeps you down that path, you know? Yeah. No, pa passion is a big part of entrepreneurship. If you don't love what you're doing, you know, and I think, you know, when, when you're an entrepreneur, you get to choose what it is that you do. Um, and, and your point on time, I think that's everything. And, you know, if you value family, if you value travel, if you value, you know, life, um, I think having as much time as possible for that outside of work is important. And when you can integrate the two where the passion is equal, uh, where you're just as passionate about your work as you are about your family. I mean, that's the best of all worlds. Agreed. Well, on that topic, so we have all these big dreams and these big goals, and then, bam, COVID-19 happens. What's your take as an entrepreneur or even as a person? Well, COVID is, you know, quite obviously changed the world. You know, I don't know how permanent this is. Um, and I think a lot of people are preparing for kind of the long haul here and, um, but as an as an entrepreneur, you know, for me, uh, I get excited. I got excited. And, you know, you never get excited about something, you know, potentially harming your family or your friends uh, or the world. Uh, but you get excited from a business standpoint because it just hits the reset button. Uh, there's new opportunities. And as an entrepreneur, uh, you're kind of got an edge because you're in a position that you have that freedom and that flexibility to do what you want to do. And, um, you know, and there's, there's different types of entrepreneurs. There's entrepreneurs that are constantly starting new businesses. There's entrepreneurs that are just single business, maybe even, you know, a family owned business that's been in a family for generations. And, you know, I would still consider them entrepreneurs, but they're a little bit different. It's a little bit more uh, stable or steady. Right. Um, you know, I kind of fit in the middle where early in my career, yeah, I, I kind of like, Hey, here's an opportunity. Let's go after it. And, you know, it fails or maybe it's not as successful as I wanted it. And then I pivot. Um, uh, and I think agility is a really important trait to have in being an entrepreneur. And again, can be good and can be bad. You know, sometimes it's, you know, it's a distraction and, you know, people say, Hey, you don't have commitment, but, um, I look at agility as the ability to adapt to the environment. And, and again, with, with, um, with COVID, um, it was like the biggest pivot opportunity that any entrepreneur or any business person can have. And you can look at it in a negative light and say, what am I going to do? What was me? 
Or you can look at it as, hey, how do I take advantage of this opportunity to maximize an opportunity? And again, not capitalize or being opportunistic, you know, in, in hurting other people in the op- in, in the process, but more of, you know, what's the direction, what's the next three years going to look like? Because you can just kind of throw away your business plan and start something new. And um, in in my in in my case, I don't think. I could have been any more fortunate in terms of when it happened because I was in the process of pivoting anyways. And the pivot that I was making was in a software application that I developed specifically for the workforce. And it was just perfect, you know, just uh, for the remote worker um, along with, you know, uh, an an office worker. So um, again, my, my, personal experience was excitement and that there's new opportunities and, you know, how am I going to capitalize on those opportunities for myself, my family, and my employees? Damn, you just dropped so much wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I mean, I think our greatest strengths are also our greatest weaknesses and agility. I mean, that's a solid one in this. And like you said, you can live in the fear of it all because this is our reality at this moment. And we can live in that fear and let it take over everything, but it's not going to change the reality. But what will is taking a look at your environment and your current circumstances and pivoting. And honestly, I'm such a history buff looking at, you know, innovators and people on the cutting edge across time and space, what differentiated them and made them memorable was the fact that they didn't live in that fear, even though they had it too. They just said, okay, what am I going to do about it? And they took it to that next level, exiting that fearful space, despite the fact that it's there anyway. I think it's like the definition of confidence and bravery and, you know, strength. We call people strong when somebody dies or when something happens in their life, but Strength is not something necessarily inherent. I think same thing with the idea of agility. It's something that you do no matter what, even if you're fearful. That strength is even if you're scared, you're going to get up and do it. And I think that that really applies in this situation. You can live in the fear or not. Absolutely. And I I think that's the definition of bravery, right? Yeah. Is doing it in in the face of fear. You know, you have to have fear to be brave. And and I don't think that, you know, I want to clarify that, you know, it wasn't that I wasn't scared. Obviously, the first thing you think about is the health and well-being of your family um, and your friends and, you know, with the COVID. And, you know, once you've kind of gotten a plan to keep everybody safe, I I think you're right. Uh, You know, you have to be brave. You have to kind of over overcome your fear and just, okay, now what do I do? And that's the approach is now what do I do? It's true. And I mean, you're not the only person I've had this discussion with. I've had it with almost all of my clients. And I mean, all the entrepreneurs I talk to on the regular. And honestly, it's not that they're not scared, but they look at this and they go, oh my gosh, this is those terrible but great changes that's going to change everything. And we all know that. But what it also is changing is our society and the structure. It is the opportunity for the people who have been busting their ass the past 20 years to finally, you know, rise above where they were before and take charge if only they're willing to, you know, or if they can find that niche and be agile enough to do it. Yeah, I think uh, agility is is a key component to this. Um, and, you know, even pre-COVID, you know, it was one of the things I always preached and taught to my employees and my colleagues is that, hey, you know, there's going to be times where we just have to pivot. You know, there's going to be decisions that that I, I may make that you may not understand and I'll do my best to help you understand. But, uh, you know, we may be going in one direction. All of a sudden, we've got to just change direction and just and, and commit to that new direction. Um, and if you got the wrong people, you know, who will look, well, I've been working so hard towards this and then now you change your mind and I don't understand why. And, and they feel uncomfortable in situations like that. Right. And, uh, you know, you've heard the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And it's, it's kind yep. of true. And, you know, if <laughs> I don't care how old you are, you can learn how to be adaptable, you know, and you just have to accept that change is the most constant thing in this world. And if you can't be prepared to change with it, then you're just going to get left behind, you know, personally, professionally, in relationships. I mean, relationships change. It applies to almost every part of life. It's true. And it's whenever you become stringent and unflexible and unyielding that everything becomes more difficult. 
bad things, good things, they're going to happen to us. But I think we have to just accept them as they come with as much grace as we possess, which in my case isn't very much, but it's like a daily practice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how can we use this event as a way to start on an even playing field from here on out? Well, in your I mean, opinion. It, it really depends on where you currently are and what what it is that you want to do. And, you know, from a business standpoint, I mean, it all depends. I mean, I, I have multiple businesses and it, they're all kind of adjusting differently. You know, one of my businesses is where I have a partnership with my brother and my sister-in-law uh, is a restaurant. And we had, you know, I got involved in that because we wanted to take some of our products into the retail space. So, you know, they manage the restaurant, they're in the kitchen, they're in the dining room, they're doing the marketing for the restaurant. And, you know, my, my role was to build a manufacturing process, build a, a distribution network and market and sell the products into the grocery stores. Well, when right. COVID happened, I mean, that was probably one of the most impacted or definitely the most impacted in my network or or or, uh, for me too. Enterprises. Yeah. It, well, the retail side, for sure, that just completely stopped. And you know, one of my products is uh, 90% made out of garlic. It's a garlic whip. And, you know, 80% of the world's supply of garlic comes from China. Yeah. And we know what happened with the supply chain, you know, from China. Everybody was working on PP, PPEs and trying to get that over to China, plus all the tariffs and everything else. I mean, my cost of garlic, uh, went up five times, you know, the, 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 the current cost. So it went from $2 a pound to, to $10, over $10 a pound. And so just that alone, plus, you know, the unknown, uh, the, the supply uh, the grocery stores didn't, understand, didn't know what was going to happen. And so that kind of came to a halt. Uh, and the restaurant, you know, that, that had to adjust and do takeout only or catering division stopped and because you can't have large groups. Right. Um, so it was just, it was just takeout. There was no dining. So um, if that was my only business, I'd have a very difficult time uh, figuring out what I'm going to do differently. And, and fortunately for me personally, um, I was okay with that being in a holding pattern as long as that we were able to pay um you know, our employees at the restaurant and, and kind of keep everybody, you know, paying, able to pay their bills uh, right. until things stabilize. And then we, we got some guidance from the government as to what we can and cannot do. Um, and then, of course, on the retail side, you know, the, you know, cost of goods is a, plays an important role as well as the distribution network, which is almost at a standstill. Even though it is a, an essential service, they're very selective as what they are distributing and at what cost. Yeah. Um, no, that, that makes other, a lot of sense. Go ahead. And I mean, in the restaurant industry, especially, it is the most difficult. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I used to be a chef. I'm still a chef, obviously, but I don't practice as much. And that knowing a lot of chefs in and around this area, especially or throughout the South, that's been huge. And anybody who's surviving whatsoever is making ginormous changes to their kitchen service and the way they're responding to people, changing events and catering up, offering small like private ticketed events, anything they can do to, you know, bring more people in because people are also making the decision to cook more at home. So that's definitely an industry that's gotten slapped. Yeah. I I mean, there's different opportunities in in that sector. And as you were alluding to, people are cooking more at home, uh, but even the cost of ingredients are are going up. So, you know, sometimes it's cheaper just to order in, you know, and, you know, the quality of the meal is going to be dependent on, you know, the cost, of course. But, you know, sometimes you go shopping and and you you spend a hundred dollars on groceries when you could have just ordered in for 50. It's true. Um, and so it's you got to find that that niche and that works for you and the demographic and geographically where you live and you know the, the people that you uh, you service. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity I think moving forward. I mean, with the restaurant business in terms of you know uh, you can see with Uber Eats and DoorDash and you know they're they've probably their numbers have probably gone up at least 200x oh, if not agreed. more uh, during this. So. There's definitely opportunities uh, for for people, and it's just you know in this new world, what is it going to be? Um, you had I completely talked, uh, agree. The question earlier. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. I said I completely agree. I think a lot of 
people are waiting for somebody else to come up with something innovative to jump on it instead of being the one who says, okay, we have to get creative in our thinking and our approach. We can't keep doing what isn't going to work right now, you know, and finding that completely innovative approach. Like you said, Uber Eats and a lot of those companies that are delivering, that's working, but there's got to be something else for the restaurant industry because in my opinion, that's not something that's going to go away. So somebody's going to come up with it somewhere and it could be you, you know, whoever you is yeah. out there. It's just a matter of yeah. having enough courage to pivot and do it. Yeah. And look, people, I mean, going dining out isn't just about the food. It's about the experience. And, you know, that's something that, you know, when, when I got involved, it was one of the main reasons why I got involved is because of the experience we created. It was a family owned and family run business. You know, my, my brother and, and his wife have eight kids and they all worked at the restaurant. And when people came in, they, they knew what to expect. They treated everybody like family. It was, uh, love was in the air. Love was in the food. Love was in the atmosphere. It was part of the experience. And, right. you know, now, you know, the experience is, is different. You've got, literally plexiglass shields separating people exactly um you can't you can't sit at a bar you know next to other people you can't socialize so you know how do you you're right is who's going to make that change but what role does government have in allowing you to make those changes you know there's certain guidelines that they're enforcing and you know if you don't abide by those guidelines you get shut down or you get right. your liquor license taken away. And I've seen that happen to a lot of good businesses and it's frustrating. So, you know, government is is a big part of certain industry in terms of what you can or cannot do. Well, speaking of government's role in business, how do you see that for playing out? I'm really interested in your perspective on this. I'm sure, I mean, with all these businesses and ventures you have going on, you probably have a couple of different perspectives. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so many different angles that I can kind of talk on. I mean, in, in the restaurant, which I just spoke about, um, obviously there's guidelines that you have to, uh, you know, 50% capacity and, you know, six feet distancing and wearing face masks if you're not sitting down, you know, that, you know, people, you know, like I said, they go out for the experience and they want to experience kind of get away from home. I mean, they've been quarantined for so long. They want to go someplace and, and have fun, talk to other people, see other people. And so that's going to be a major part of, uh, of the future of the restaurant industry. And hopefully this doesn't last forever and it starts to kind of wane down a little bit as time goes by. Um, but. <clears throat> Another serious part of uh, government's role is the is the the, stim the stimulus, yeah, the PPP, the EIDL. You know, from a business standpoint, I mean, th those are are lifesavers, and you know, I've experienced that myself. And I don't know that we could have survived. I don't know that um, half of the business out there who are currently open could still be open without those programs. And, you know, it's, you know, right now it's in August and you're talking about a second round of stimulus. Um, you know, I'll, I'll share with you a couple sides of the equation. So there's, there's the business stimulus and then there's the personal side where they give, you know, the unemployment with the extra unemployment. And it was at $600. And, and I believe Trump has proposed to, to kind of get that at 400. And that's still kind of up in the air in terms of state having to participate in, in part of that. And this stimulus package is, is got very good intent. And, and again, I think it's contradictory. There's, there's, you know, the, the traditional kind of Democrat Republican view on, on, on capitalism, you know, the trickle down economy yeah. versus the, the bottom up. Um, you know, it's, do, do you give people money and have them spend? You know, right now, you know, if you're giving the people the money and, you know, to go out and spend, where are they able to spend it? Number one, and what businesses are able to open, you know, for them to take that money? And, you know, and people are, are going to be a little bit more conservative, especially on the business side of things that they're going to save right. a little bit more. So it, it does, it is a challenge, you know, to have both, but for the, for the, for the business side, I think it's paramount that, that businesses have some sort of stimulus package that, that makes it easy for them to pay their way, people's wages, which also is a form of, of aid to, um, to the people, you know, they're right. providing jobs and, you know, and keeping businesses alive. So that way, post COVID, you know, you're not going to slink into, you know, slide into a depression or a recession, um, where there's going to be a lot of businesses that close down and can't, can't, uh, Reopen. Can't pay their bills back. Yeah, can't reopen. But also, if you've got, if you have uh, these loans that 
you know, you have guidelines to say you have to spend a certain amount. And if you don't spend a certain amount, then they're not forgivable, or at least portions of them aren't forgivable. So you're putting businesses in debt. Right. And, you know, without a way to pay it back. There has to be a way to pay it back or, you know, or, or make it, you know, forgivable, you know, for, for certain businesses who have borrowed under a certain amount. I think the, the burden on the banks, especially, um, to try to uh, accept these for forgiveness applications. And, and, you know, I heard a statistics and, um, I don't know if, if it's right or wrong. I got to double check it, but, uh, 20% of the money represents 80% of the loans. You wow. Know, so when you look at it from that perspective, you know, the burden on trying to, um, you know, forgive 20% of the money that's out there, you're better off just wiping that debt clean. And, you know, and, and obviously I would benefit from that as well. But for the big businesses who have borrowed millions upon millions, and of course, hey, you want some sort of checks and balances that they didn't put it in, you know, the pockets of the CEOs and, um, you know, who don't really need that, that money anyway. So, right. Uh, when you have two I houses, two cars, and like a vacation home on top of it, we think you're pretty, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and there's nothing wrong with having that beforehand. You no, know, everybody not at all. works to, to, to achieve that, but to take that stimulus and turn it into that and, and not have jobs for people, then yes, of course that's wrong. Well, going right back to the topic. So in this COVID situation, I mean, or whatever you want to call it, pandemic, circumstance, how long do you see this lasting? I mean, in your mind, do you see this as a forever thing? Forever we will be altered the way a lot of people are saying? Or do you see this just as a a shift temporarily until we kind of find a new normal? How do you perceive that? Man, I hope it's not forever. I mean, God, I'm, right? I'm huge on traveling and, and, and living life and experiencing the world and meeting new people. And, and this just pretty much puts a stop to all of that. And um, so um, I definitely hope it's not, it's not forever. I mean, my, my opinion on, you know, you, you shift the balance and then there's going to be a new balance. The pendulum swings and now it's going to be very different. So um, I, again, I don't want to get into the science of it, but I think, you know, in, in life, you know, whether it's business, whether it's personal, whether it's science, you know, balance is a big part of that. Um, right. But to, to go back to, you know, your original question in terms of how long, um, I'm, my business planning is going out about six months. Um, <clears throat> you know, I have a, uh, as you know, Zizzo is, is preparing for a beta launch in October. And then it's going to be amazing. October, you know, we, you know, we feel that I think that the market is, is stable enough. Um, to be able to do a sales launch and start to sell it because it does work for remote workers. I mean, it's, it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't conceptualized for remote work. Obviously that didn't exist when, when I first started to develop this application, but it, it works for it. And, um, and so as long as, you know, we, we go six months and the only reason why we don't beyond that is because, Everybody's speculation is that there's going to be a second wave and there's going to be a lot of shutdown. And, and if that happens, you know, I don't know if the government has enough money to keep people afloat beyond that. So I think that there's going to be a huge shift in, in how many businesses are going to be open if they initiate another complete shutdown for an extended period of time. Right. And if they don't allow kids to go to school, which will force parents to stay at home, which will also change things. Um, that's and, right. You know, even if you've got remote workers, productivity, especially when you're dealing with kids at home, is not going to be at 100%, you know. Oh, it's, it's, it's impossible. Gonna be, yeah, it's going to be drastically less and dramatically less, I should say. And it's going to be interesting in the fall. And and really, you know, that's why I'm kind of hesitating in, in planning any any further because the impact is going to be dramatically different. Um, you know, the the applications for forgiveness on the first loans are going to be starting to, to, to be due. And I don't know what the world is going to look like. I don't think anybody can tell you um, if it was up to me, I could tell you, you know, right. but, uh, you know, the way I would do it, but you know, I don't have that control. I don't make decisions and I don't think any one individual is making decisions now. So no, I agree. Be, and also with like what the, 
what moves the entrepreneurs should be making in this time of unbalance, unrest, unknowns? I mean, I think it differentiates for absolutely every entrepreneur. And that's part of having that gut instinct of looking around because where there is great, terrible change, there's also all of these opportunities. And finding the balance in that is, I mean, really, it's the most important thing. But as kind of as a generalization, what would you tell people if you could shout out on the radio and scream back to the world like your single biggest generalized piece of advice for this time being an entrepreneur? I I think number one, it's fiscal responsibility. So you know that's got to be your number one focus is how much money do I have in the bank and how long is that going to carry me? And, you know, and then you got to factor in, you know, any loans you got from the government to pay back the forgiveness and all of that stuff. But if you've got a chunk of money and what it depends on what business you're in and if you can continue to do business and then really start to kind of forecast as much as possible for the worst case scenarios, for the best case scenarios and everything in between. Um, and then you can start to plan at least six months out. I think that's what we're doing is we're surviving in six months increments and in, in yeah. even more so sometimes in three month increments. But if your business is one of those businesses that is impacting, if you've got a gym, you can't open still, at least here in New York state, you can't. And if you've got a restaurant, you're at capacity, 50% capacity. So there's limits. And, you know, so there's a lot of different businesses that are impacted very differently. So it depends on how your business is impacted. So let's just say you're in one of those businesses that is heavily impacted and you can't make money. My advice there is look for other opportunities. There's, there's within a ton their of space? opportunities. Within different spaces. It doesn't have to be within their space. And especially if their space is impacted where, you know, if you've got a gym, you know, uh, if if you're in, in virtual classes, like California and Florida and you know, Arizona, you know, hot weather states, yes, find ways to maybe make your space outdoors, you know, right. and be able to comply with whatever regulation exists. But uh, look for other things. I mean, even right now, there are opportunities in PP, uh, PPE, right? Yeah. So whether it's masks, whether it's uh, sanitizer, whether it's shields, whether there's there's cleaning divisions now, there's places that are doing office sanitations, you know, and that they come in, you know, for, you know, every month or every three months and they sanitize the whole place. I mean, there's there's places doing it daily as well. Market. I've seen that that just popped up like covid sanitation after the workers leave every day or before they get there every day. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a hundred different opportunities because of this, and yeah. if you, and it's not a permanent opportunity, and neither is your situation a permanent situation. So, but what you business just is permanent? You know, honestly, what's that? Any, I, I guess maybe this is just my perspective, but I think I don't care if you've had a business for fifty years; nothing in it has been permanent, or wouldn't still be there. <laughs> You know, doing yeah. branding day in and day out and having clients come back to me after two years plus, you know, I can look at their business and say, this is a completely different business. You just made small pivots over time with something like this. It's like you have to make an immediate business uh, pivot in business, you know, to adjust, yeah. to counteract what's going on in the world. Yeah. I mean, and you, you've got to, <clears throat> you've got to literally monetize your time and your money right. and what's available. So you figure out a way to just bring in income and utilize your resources. There are some businesses where you have to pay your people, but there's not much product productivity that they're going to have. Find different ways that you can make them productive, put them to work in a different way that they can actually bring revenues to your business. And again, to carry you through the situation until you can go back to doing what you're used to doing, what you're great at doing, what you're making money at. But um, but also be prepared for permanent change. I think that's the other uh, part of my uh, advice is this could be the new normal. You know, I hate when people say that because it's like, no, I, I, it's hard for me to accept that because I don't, I don't want to live in a world like this. I mean, obviously I'll be forced to if I have no choice, but right. you know, I like, I like my freedom. You know, I, I don't want to wear a mask everywhere I go. I don't want to keep six foot distancing, you know, hopefully there's some sort of solution long-term that, you know, could, could wipe this thing out. Uh, but it, for the, for the, short term and short term is very relative. It could be six months. It could be a year. It could be two years. It could be three years. You have to survive. So, you know, don't, don't hide. Um, don't spend all your money. Don't save all your money. 
I find as an entrepreneur, you're, you're built to make money. So, uh, you've always heard this. It takes money to make money. If you've got money, find a way to make more money with it. You know, don't just sit on it and just kind of pay yourself out until it ride this thing out because it will run out. And so you, you need to find an alternative, you know, revenue generating, um, system that, you know, that if you can't make revenues with what you're doing now, then you got to find something new. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Well, what do you think is part of the new normal? It's things that will be permanent? Because personally, I don't think that as a society, as a species, we can take much more of being pent up in our houses, but also the lack of communication, the lack of physical touch. I mean, I don't know about where you're at, but people here are losing their shiz. And that's the truth. I mean, in Cajun country, we are big huggers. We're big partiers. But even, you know, family dinners and family meals, you don't see people doing it quite as much. So uh, for me, I don't think that's going to be a permanent thing. I don't know what the new, you know, humanity and communication will look like. But that's something I think will, you know, at least come back. I don't know if we're able to evolve that much in this span of time. But I do think there's going to be elements in our new society, in our new normal, using air quotes, you know, that kind of stay, like remote working. I think that's something that's here to stay for sure. Do you have any anything you'd like to forecast for the new normal? Yeah, I mean, I, I, on, on that topic, I think, number one, uh, your original point with respect to kind of how society functions socially, um, I think there's a certain level of acceptance um, for it now because there's a sense or a feeling that it's not going to be here forever. I think the longer it prevails, <clears throat> I think the less tolerant we are for it. There's a lot of division in, in our, in our country right now. And, um, and that's making it just as strong of an impact socially as COVID is. Uh, it's hard for our country to kind of come together and get through this when you've got all of these different events and factions that are kind of competing against society, you know, right. as, as a whole. But um, And we're so all there's, focusing there's on differences as opposed to the similarities, the things that make us all, I mean, who we are to, as a community, you know, as a society, as a country. Going back to kind of your original question in terms of what's here to stay, and we talk about the remote workforce, I think there, take New York City as an example. Uh, New York City has probably one of the highest rents, probably that San Francisco, LA, uh, the highest rents commercially. I mean, you've got, you know, places that are paying upwards of $300 per square foot what? for office space. You're kidding. Yeah, it's insane. And, you know, when you, when you had, to, were forced to have your workers at home and you don't lose productivity, you start to look at that expense as whether or not it's justified. Right. Keeping you know, the electricity on the AC, your, the corner office, all the above. Yeah. I mean, it's not necessary. And, and, and on, on the flip side for the worker, you know, I don't think they want a permanent work from home situation. I think that there's going to be a hybrid situation where, hey, there's going to be some days that I come in, there's going to be some days that I work from home. Right. And so, you know, the business is going to look at it and say, well, I don't need all of this space and I don't need to spend all this money. So we're going to downsize our office space and we're going to allow our employees, you know, two days from home. And, you know, a lot of the 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 tools that are out there um, and we're on one now with GoToMeeting and Zoom and Google Hangouts and, you know, all of these other remote uh, meeting uh, applications uh, uh, are just a big part of, you know, allowing this shift, you know, to be able to work remotely, um, even from a sales perspective. Right. Um, you know, a lot of sales calls are now being done remote and, you know, the savings that this will have on businesses instead of having to pay for travel, hotel, you know, uh, the per diems, you know, for meals and, and entertainment. And, um, you know, they can really downsize that, focus more on customer support and customer service and do the sales, you know, remotely in, in a web session. Um, it's going to permanently change, I think, a big part of how we do business from uh, from an office environment standpoint. Are you looking Obviously, forward to it? Obviously, the service industry is going to be different. I'm sorry? Are you looking forward to the change? Is it exciting? I, I like, what's the emotions involved you, in that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you, you obviously know about Zizzo, and I'll talk about it here briefly uh, with respect to the application that we were, we were developing. This is pre-COVID, and, it, 
you know, when I first said, and I'll explain it to you, uh, through your audience here, what Zizzo is, is essentially solving multiple problems. And one that I, I found needed solving about 10 years ago, and I developed it, you know, the original uh, iteration, it's called the e-whiteboard, um, to help manage the workforce. And, you know, where some industries, there's, there's kind of a, uh, a gap between what the software provides and then what's there to, to help manage the workforce and in terms of transparency, accountability, um, and more data-driven and giving the, the managers the tools to manage their people. Data is a very powerful tool. And, you know, if they have uh, access to that data and they can see what you see and you've really defined expectations, it makes it much easier to manage. Uh, <clears throat> so what we've done in our latest uh, iteration of this, and we've rebranded it to Zizzo, which stands for Zoom In, Zoom Out, is we've solved one of our biggest problems, which is consolidation of data and through integration. So um, as opposed to going through multiple systems, your phone system, your your, your CRM, uh, your compliance, your HR, you can in, we're integrating all of these systems into a common data warehouse where you know all the data is housed in one place. It makes it much more efficient to access. You get a 360-degree view of all of your data, and then you're able to see some sort of influencing factors. So how one set of, set of data can influence another, you know, all those things are kind of tied together and mapped together in one single database and then delivered in a very efficient uh, dashboard where based on the stakeholder, you know, those dashboards are custom to what they need to see on a day-to-day -day basis instead of having to pull this report and that report and this report. Right. Instead of spending all your time looking for the correct KPIs and metrics that you need, you can find them immediately. It's right there within your grasp at all times. Yeah. It's and, and, and even more so, it's, it's very specific. And, you know, part of our discovery process is trying to understand your business and what what KPIs, key performance indicators drive your business objectives. And, you know, and when you do start to kind of integrate all of your systems, you'll find new metrics that you never even knew existed or that could exist. And so, you know, it's an evolving process and, you know, the, the ability to zoom in and zoom out. And so I, I use the analogy is just, I, I like to use Google Maps as a visual. Like if you're zoomed all the way out and you're looking at, you know, the entire world, and then you zoom all the way down to your street. Uh, you can't see the world when you're in the weeds, in what we call in the weeds or in the clouds. Right. <clears throat> but, but you can't see what's going on on the street if you're all the way zoomed out. So there's the, you know, from an executive level, you got to manage from the, from the higher up and, you know, at the management level, you're probably at 10,000 feet and at the agent level, you're, you're on the ground floor in the weeds. And, you know, as an executive, you need to be able to get down and be able to understand what's going on in the weeds, but quickly and efficiently zoom back out. So that way you can manage more of the global enterprise than just, you know, one street. But, um, you know, the, the, the best part of the application and as you know is the one that we're both very excited about is the gamification oh and, it's killer you know, i mean this is literally going to change the entire way the world works from everybody's perspective i mean c-suites down to staff and team members it's incredible yeah yeah people are, are really excited any any presentations that i've done you know whether to potential investors or to uh, potential clients uh, when they look at this, they know that this is the solution that they've been looking for uh, because, you know, the workforce has changed. And it's something that you and I just discussed early in this in this podcast and in what we've been talking about for a long time is that, you know, you can't do the same things and expect the same results when a variable has changed so dramatically. Um, people, this younger generation, the millennials and, and, and more so the Gen Z, are motivated very differently. And so how do you keep them engaged? How do you, how do you make them look at this thing as more of a long-term career? How do you incentivize, you know, fairly and, and, and keep them motivated? And, you know, so what we've done is we've essentially taken some of your uh, KPIs and we've gamified them and we've built a, a, a tool that does it automatically. We're saving you time. We're, we're selling you trust. We're selling you time. We're selling you, um, your workforce. So that way they're going to be engaged. They're going to be happy. Um, you're going to be able to incentivize them. They're going to be able to make more money, get the recognition that they, that they want and, you know, and, but only when they deserve it. 
um, and the rewards, you know, are, are going to be fair across the board and everybody gets the same opportunity. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the better you perform, you know, the higher the rank and level. So there's an experience level system. So, you know, and then the higher the rank and level, the higher the rewards. But when you create transparency and you say, look, everybody has the same opportunity and you create policy around it and to say, you know, especially now with remote. And that was the other thing that we, we talked about with, you know, getting excited about the possibilities and the opportunities is that how do you keep remote workers engaged? How do you keep them engaged with one another? How do you build team chemistry or, or retain team chemistry when everybody's working from home? You know, there's a lot of different tools, people out there, you know, the instant messaging or, you know, again, with the Zoom and the go-to meeting. And, um, but to have it consistent and to have, you know, an environment where it's competitive and it's fair and it's transparent, I think is going to be critical in terms of managing the new workforce remotely or in the office space. Right. And, you know, with, with the new generations, I think this is going to be a hit. And in this gamified platform, I mean, can you kind of walk us through what the interface looks like from, say, a staff member? What's going to get them excited? You say gamified, but paint us a picture of what that looks like. Sure. Yeah. No. So one of the, one of the big things that we want to do. So uh, <clears throat> we really did our research. When I tell you the research was fun, it was a lot of fun because we played a lot of games. Um, like any kind of games. <laughs> Uh, like games on the Xbox, like oh, Madden awesome. and 2K. And, and I use my son who's 13 years old and, and I watched him play games uh, like Fortnite. There's a certain psychology to all of it. Right. And so we, we extracted things that have, have worked in, in those realms. One of which is, you know, creating indiv individual uh, personalized avatars. We wanted to take it a step further and develop an avatar system or work with a third-party avatar system like Bitmoji, um, where you can create your own avatar in your own likeness and be represented with that. And then, you know, and around that, the border around that is actually your badge. So there's a badging system and people can quickly identify your rank and level by looking at your badge. So they'll know, you know, there's five levels, you know, anywhere from rookie Pro, All Pro, Superstar, and Legend. That's and so if cool. If anybody's ever played the Madden franchise, they'll recognize those pretty quickly um, because we borrowed them from that. And so, again, people like that recognition. Yeah. And this is a way for 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 it to be empirically proven that they're the best. And so you're so saying this works for Madden players but not FIFA players? That's messed up. FIFA's there too. <laughs> I'm sure you got to play all of them for research purposes, of course. For research, of course, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I'm on my phone playing the game and somebody's like, hey, are you on that app again? Yeah, I'm doing research. I'm working here. That's fantastic. Uh, Next time you're doing that, if there's FIFA involved, I am your person. <laughs> totally. You got it. You got it. And look, you know, when you come into to work, you know, you're going to be rewarded for showing up on time. There's a chest where there's going to be um, a very variable rewards that you'll get uh, be able to earn to enhance your avatar. Um, there's daily challenges. So three of your KPIs will be selected and, you know, you'll be create, you'll be presented with a challenge to hit a certain number. And when you hit a certain number, you're going to earn, you know, different rewards, coins, Z bucks, which is, you know, um, they're backed by real dollars uh, and then XP, which stands for experience points, which will help you uh, be promoted to different rank and level. Well, what kind of prizes um, are we talking about? Like, what's the motivation here to bust ass? Uh, <laughs> several. So the Z bucks, which again, there's a budget that's created by the agency, uh, but you'll earn like real uh, or be able to redeem your Z bucks for tangible goods. So there's a, there's a, there's a store that we built into this thing where they can either buy tangible goods or they can buy company perks. So the company could put up there, Hey, you get one day of PTO, pay time off. That's or you get awesome. the VIP parking or access to the executive lounge or whatever you want. I mean, that is yeah. exceptional to me. I mean, the first time I heard about it, I still think about how exceptional of a platform this is. That literally is falling in line with this new generation of the workforce who has this single lens. They want to have their work life and their home life meld, not two separate versions of themselves, you know, but also this works yeah. for your higher ups. It's it's beautiful. I love it. You're able to make everybody happy. I mean, that's a hard thing to do in this day and age. Yes, it try is. To satisfy all palettes, you know, so. Well, where can people hear fair, more about this? 
I mean, I'm sure now people are like dying to get their hands on it. You said it doesn't release till October. In the meantime, where can they find you? Uh, you can go to playzizzo.com. That's our website uh, where you can learn more about our product. And, and, you know, if you fill out the form there, you can get a product demonstration and we can tell you more about how it can help you in your business. Um, I, there's a lot of features here and it's scalable across industry. We're, we're launching it currently for the accounts receivable call center space. Uh, but this thing can scale across any industry. If you've got a measurable KPI, if you've got something that drives your business objectives that you want your people to do better um, or to do more of, and you want to incentivize them to do so, uh, and you've got systems that currently measure this stuff, even if you don't, we can build a, a data entry point where you can start to collect that information. But we can gamify just about any KPI, any metric. And we're working on all the scripts and everything right now for the explainer videos. So we'll be launching that pretty soon on playzizzo.com, right? Yes. Yeah. And that, that'll be the first thing that uh, that will show up on uh, on the page, hopefully, when we're done with this explainer video. And then we'll be hopefully launching about 10 more, uh, one for every feature to help you understand kind of how each feature works, you know. Um, but yeah, playzizzo.com, uh, we'll have the explainer video up there uh, to, you know, a quick 60 second video to see kind of high level how this can impact your business. That's incredible. Well, I super appreciate you doing this with me. I've taken up way more of your time than I promised. And I'm so sorry about that. This is fascinating. I mean, all of it. I really appreciate and respect your opinion on all of the above. And I'm sure everybody else does out there too. If people want to learn more about you personally and kind of follow your journey as you build Zizzo, where would they go about to find that? Well, you know what? I've uh, I've sent you some links to uh, my LinkedIn, my personal LinkedIn page, as Perfect. well as all of the places or social media accounts, so they can click on the links and follow me and, and follow our journey in Play Zizzo. And if they want to learn more, you know, just reach out, message me, and you know, I'll be more than happy to give a personal demonstration to anybody and help to educate them as to how they can improve their businesses in this new normal, as we put it. And Hannah, I appreciate you. Uh, bringing me on this show. As you know, I thoroughly enjoy our conversations. And Ditto, outside man. of this podcast, we've had these conversations multiple times and they go just as long and, you know, on many different <laughs> tangents. And we could talk forever. I think we're on the same wavelength. So Agreed. It's fun. just good and stuff. It's the kind of stuff that opens your mind. Again. Yes. Yeah. Like minds think alike. I mean, we, we're both entrepreneurs. We, we're both passionate about what we do passionate about family so it's it's always a pleasure and for anybody listening out there we're going to include all of jimmy's information and zizzo's information in the show notes and on the website byobrandpodcast.com until next time badasses thanks <laughs>